Well, sure. If you're the one being disentangled from. <laughs> then... <laughs> yeah, all right. You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Balsamo. And glad that you've uh, chimed in today to listen to this conversation. Hope that it's a, a challenge and an example to you. Uh, two friends uh, bouncing things around, reasoning together to see how Scripture connects to life. How are you, Tom? Oh, you know, better than I deserve, I guess. Um, doing okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cold. It's cold. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I had some sympathy pains for you, um, uh, as you said, that you almost had to turn off your heater. Uh, we were afraid you might have to turn off your heater there to... Uh, to get the audio to work correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I record this podcast in like a little unheated room off the side of part of our house. So it's a... And you live in the Northeast and it's March 1st. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Is it March 1st already? It is. It what? is. The, wow. This is the day of uh, of our recording anyway is March 1st and I want um, to wish a happy birthday to my wonderful mother. Wonderful. Your mother's birthday is today? It is today. Yes, it is. Interesting. As I mean, since we're on the birthday thing, I have a relative whose birthday is today. Yeah. And and what's weird is that both your mother and this relative are patrons. Um, yes. On okay. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Omar. Omar's birthday is today. Oh, great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's my brother-in-law, for those yep. listening who don't know, and he has turned the big four zero. <laughs> oh, my. Enjoy the view. <laughs> It's all downhill That's from right. here. <laughs> That's right. We sent him a card and I just wrote in there, welcome to the other side of the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's funny. I used to think that when it came to over the hill, that was 50. Well, 50 was the peak. I guess because I'm thinking in an even 100, though very few people actually live to 100. So I guess that's not really accurate. But uh, anyway, so maybe 40 is uh, more... It's more depressing, but it's maybe more realistic. Mm. Yeah, I we should just smash the hill over, destroy the hill. There's <laughs> no hill. Destroy. The, that's right. Flatten the <laughs> curve. Wait. Uh, okay. Sorry. All right. Let's uh, move on. <laughs> um, actually, okay. So, okay. Now, 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 you've you've piqued my my interest of something because I just have to say this. I don't intend for this to be a long topic of conversation, but. You remember early on, we were talking about how stupid the whole masking thing was. And mm -hmm. I put an article on my blog, just basically pointing people in the direction of the current research on it, mm -hmm. right. which I all basically that. said that these things don't really do anything to stop viruses. Mm -hmm. um, of all places, the New York Times, I believe it was, and I'll see if I can link to the article. It was the New York Times came out with an article. I don't even remember that the headline but it was essentially this, something like the masks did nothing. Whoa. And, and the New York Times was like super left-leaning, pro-mask, pro-lockdowns, pro-everything bad um, through in the beginning of that. But now they're, they're kind of forced, now that people have kind of stopped talking about it and it won't hurt as much to admit that they were wrong. Now they're coming out with it. Yeah, the masks were stupid. Wow. Even the N95 ones, they said, were just like, this is the whole thing was pointless. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I'll have to... Uh, maybe if you have a link to that article, uh, let me see that. I will maybe, put that in the show you, notes. If you think of it like a, as in a person-to-person -person apology, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, I know I said that you wished your grandmother were dead, but 
actually I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's funny because I think I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or if I said it to someone at work. I don't even remember, but I said, "Oh, I said the the people who are pushing this the mask thing in the media will come around." And they will admit that the whole thing was stupid. They're just going to wait long enough until it doesn't hurt to admit it. Yeah, right. I remember saying that to somebody. Maybe I said it to my wife. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, I'm not a prophet or anything. But, hey, it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, you are. Um, moving on. All right. Uh, as Before we jump in, I want to thank our uh, patrons over at patreon.com for all that you do to support this podcast. We thank you very much. And if you're interested in uh, becoming a part of the financial basis of what we're doing here, this endeavor, you go to patreon.com slash reason together, sign up for any of the tier levels there. Uh, thankful for the elite patrons who have uh, uh, signed up at that top level. And uh, gotten a free T-shirt and um, access to the after show, mm-hmm. and uh, so you can avail yeah. yourself of that. Anything else and you want? To, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you're tuning in and this is the first time you're really hearing about our Patreon page, you might wonder what it's there for. What does it support exactly? We uh, mm-hmm. we just get on this thing and talk at this point in the podcast. Uh, we don't do a whole lot. Amen. Uh, else. <laughs> um, it used to be when we started, I was editing and posting all of these things. And uh, we now pay people to do that. Right. And, Tom uh, was taking a, a heavy load of the tech side of this. I mean, he was making it happen. And uh, and we've been able to offload those duties to a actual podcast editor, to a blog editor, two separate yep. people. And yep, uh, separate there, is, people. there is a reason together blog, by the way. And uh, you might check the articles there and uh, share them with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like six of them in the queue, six yeah. articles. Great. And just kind of waiting on them right now. You know, when you write something, it's sort of like you go back over it and yes. ah, I don't know about that. I might tweak that. And, you know, they're just, it's, I'm taking forever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You just refine it, hone it over time. Um, yeah. If you don't, if you don't need it right at the moment, why? You know, yep. throw it out there when it's unpolished. Mm. So let me jump into this question here. I don't think this will take really long, uh, but this okay. is uh, from Floyd, who talks about um, having the opportunity to uh, review some missionaries. And he brings up the um, the point that um, as he's uh, some of these, let's see here, let me find his sentence here. Um you know, many, several are elderly, uh, now retired, widowed, things like that. But uh, he brings up that, um, he said, there, there had been a movement by many fundamentalists years ago to opt out of Social Security. Were you aware of that? I'm sure you were. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about right. that. Um, just just a little bit before my time, it was pushed, but I, you know, I, was, yes. a, I was a littler kid, but yeah, I, I remember hearing about it later. Yes, and so preachers could actually opt out of Social Security, I think, in in essence, like a religious exemption. Um, And then down the road, they were given a a short window of time to actually opt back into it. Um, But he says, because uh, after all, note the sarcasm here, the Lord was coming back, and what good would that retirement money be to them when it could have been used on the mission field? He says, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? Was this council of faith? or a fumble. In other words, uh, opt out of social security. Here you are now, <laughs> excuse me, here you are given 
your money to the government to invest for you and poorly at that uh, when you could be using it in the Lord's work. So, you know, why not opt out and just look if, if you live that long and you get to retirement, you live by faith, you trust the Lord to provide and um, and you just keep, you know, uh, keep on keeping on, you know, with the money God's given you. Um, was that counsel of faith or a fumble? Um, the counsel to withdraw from Social Security, like uh, yeah, exempt yourself from it? Correct. Oh, there's so many different ways that question can go sideways and so many other subjects <laughs> that can come out of it. Man, that question is just pregnant with other potential pitfalls. Um, not that I think Floyd did that intentionally. I know he didn't, but I know, I know he, he meant well with it, but, and I'm sure he's thinking of all the different ways it can go sideways. That's probably why he's asking. Uh, part of me just instinctively thinks that was a bad idea um, to, to exempt oneself from social security. And I'm still trying to wrap my head all around why. And, and it's, it's not, it's maybe not so much a result of me being all in favor of social security. And, you know, I'm, I'm, there are problems inherent with that system. Um, (laughs) part of why I am somewhat cautious about the idea is that for one, you're making a decision that it's really hard to predict the full outcome of going through your life. It's like getting a tattoo, really, you know, you you don't know if you're going to regret it. Um, and, you, you very well might, and, and you're going to end up dealing with the consequences of it later. And it's going to complicate mm-hmm. your life in all sorts of ways to have, have, you know, exempted yourself from social security ways that you might not even be aware of yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the government could even change the rules later that require, you know, um, participation in social security for certain things. And, and it's just, you're, you don't know all the potential outcomes. And to me, that seems like a, a kind of an unconservative thing to do in a sense, is to just stake your entire life on that decision of withdrawing from it. Um, is that making sense? Stake your position on withdrawing from I, I, I like the word that you said. It was making, you said it's an unconservative. I thought that was a good um, label for it. Well, yeah. And by that, I don't necessarily mean politically conservative. I just mean that, you know, the, a conservative mindset tends to be very cautious yes, about yes, decisions yeah. that could right. affect me 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road and even affect my kids. Mm-hmm. And a conservative mindset is often careful to make some decision that you can't undo easily or yes. at all. Mm-hmm. That's why I likened it to a tattoo. Um, and the other thing coupled with that is so so it's it's maybe a little bit in our history as independent Baptists to have sharp knee-jerk overreactions to some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And part of me just feels like that's another one of them. And I'm a little uncomfortable with the pendulum swing knee-jerk reactions because you tend to just jump from one ditch into the other. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Well, I, that's a, that's a uh, <clears throat> good thought. What you're saying is just that um, it seems uh, a little... Um, <laughs> what's the opposite of cautious? A, a little uncautious. Um, it, risky. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little too risky unless you really do your homework on it. Now, um, I'd have to say that I'm I'm certainly not impugning the men who made that choice necessarily. 
um, they were under, you know, various pressures um, within their own, you know, Christian culture, or um, maybe I don't, I don't know what um, what information they had been fed, what they, you know, tended to believe there, and some people could genuinely be convinced that uh, no, I, I, the Lord is going to provide, and indeed the Lord will. Um, well, you know, for for certain people that you know, I'm, I'm sure there's stories out there where they, you know, they felt like they really were handing it over to the Lord, and 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 the Lord did provide, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I just would say that I would not be presumptuous to think that the Lord subsidizes a foolish decision, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not saying that in every case it was a foolish decision, but I think for many people who did that, it probably was a foolish decision. Um, yes, and, and, right. I, and I don't think Christians right. should expect the Lord to subsidize my foolish decisions. Um, and, you know, we're not immune to virtue signaling in our movement. In fact, we're, right. we're pretty, we're pretty good at it. And I remember the times that I heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. it was almost said as sort of a virtue signal that, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. look at me. I've exempted myself from social security. I'm not pinned down by the man. And look, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm more godly than you. Uh, and what's wrong with it, all of you knaves? It, it could have been the combination of uh, like, like the sense of, um, of hyper-spirituality combined with anti-governmental feelings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I actually resisted the government and I'm living by faith. So it, that maybe was powerful in that way. Um, that being said, um, do I think the idea, now this is more of a political debate, do I think the idea of the ability to opt out of social security is an interesting thought? Yes, I do. Just like mm-hmm. in some ways, I feel like um, uh, school vouchers is a great idea because it's saying you can, it's giving you more control over your money um, right. to say, here, here I pour into the public school system and I don't get any benefit from that. Um, I tr- we try not to think about that because it's very frustrating. Yeah. So, you know, so you're supporting things. So for them to say, um, you know, look, if you want to invest your own money or use your own money a different way, you can. Okay. Well, in theory, that's good. Now, the problems with that is number one, if you're saying I'm going to take my social security money and use it, well, that's problematic because you still don't have an investment. Um, if right. the, the idea is to create a safety net for yourself. And and the truth is that if you are at all a savvy investor, you can do better than the government. But oh, the absolutely. point is you have to be an investor. So if you took the same money and turned around and invested it, you would do better. But if you took the same money and spent it on your dish bill every, every month, you're going to, then you're going to end up in a major lurch um, in 30 well, years. Think, uh, I think Floyd alludes to that in his question because he references Proverbs thirteen twenty two. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, um, and so I think Floyd's point is kind of in the question that he he does think it's good to save for retirement, mm-hmm. but when someone says I'm opting out of Social Security, which I would use for my retirement but then I don't prepare for retirement on my own. Well, yeah, that is a fumble. That is foolishness. Someone should prepare for the time when they can no longer work. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, You know, the scriptural example of, you know, even the ant who foresees uh, a time of no provision and and sets and sets in store. 
a time ahead. So I certainly think there's a biblical uh, precedent, a teaching, a principle for uh, investment. Um, mm-hmm. But to say that I'm going to live by faith, like you referenced earlier, the um, um, subsidizing foolishness, me- meaning, in other words, I'm going to give everything I have away now and just trust that there will always be more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as I'm not, I'm not going to say that nobody could genuinely feel led of the Lord that way. But by and large, um, you know, God has given you, you know, scriptural direction to uh, lay up as you can for a time of need. And, um, and that's not a, a wicked thing to do. It's not to, right. to have money in the bank is not um, necessarily unspiritual. Um, so anyway, right. that's uh, good. Okay, maybe we got to move on to the next one. All right, go ahead. Um, okay, uh, hot in the news recently has been, um, and I was kind of eyeing it a little bit from the beginning, and I'll have a blog post actually coming out soon uh, relating to this subject, but is the issue of the Asbury Revival. Everybody's got to weigh in on the Asbury mm-hmm. Revival. Is it a revival? And uh, and what's going on there? And uh, why, why condemn it? Because people are, you know... Um, feeling, you know, people are being drawn to the Lord and uh, mm. something's happening. So, how, can, how can you throw cold water on that, Tom? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're, uh, I'm guessing by your tone that you don't see any legitimacy in it. Um, I, I wouldn't say I, I don't see any legitimacy in it um, because I think God can work even despite circumstances. Um, so it, can I say that no one there is genuinely being being touched and and sensing their uh, their need of the Lord and wanting to draw closer to Him. Oh, sure. I, I mean, I think there could be people like that. Do I think it's um, it's vague and ambiguous and um, and a little um, it well a little uh, quite misdirected? Do I feel like it's launching off the wrong platform with the wrong method? Yeah. I mean, by and large. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't I don't I don't um, anticipate um, you know great fruit. Um, from it, but am I going to say that, oh, no one's changed, it's all fake, and they're all, you know, it's all a setup? No, not really. Okay. Well, there, yeah, we're kind of sort of on the same page there. I, I guess I would describe it this way, is that it's likely that it started well with a few people, and that's probably as far as it got. Um, because the fastest way to ruin, and you, you, if you've listened to this podcast any length of time, you know that both Daniel and I aren't really too keen on the word revival, the way that it's used. Mm-hmm. Um, but to use the word anyway, the, <laughs> the fastest way to ruin a revival is to acknowledge that you're having a revival <laughs> because other people will hear it and they'll want to be part. And that's not how a revival happens is that, oh, I hear revival is happening. Let me go participate. No, a revival happens. Mm. It just, it happens. It is something in which, and, and, and I'm not saying, you know, poof, all of a sudden crowds of people are revived. Revival is, is on an individual level. Uh, it's, it's something personal in the heart of an individual in which they simply yield themselves to the will of the Lord, to, to obeying the spirit of God and obeying the scriptures. Um, and really that describes the Christian life that describes how a Christian is to live every day. 
So if you spend time with the Lord in the morning and you spend time giving thanks to God and worshiping the Lord and confessing sin and making sure that wrongs are righted with others before you move on with your day and so on, um, you have been revived. Uh, that is revival. That is the daily Christian life lived out. And I don't doubt, in fact, I was reading an article from Answers in Genesis, and they actually sent a reporter down there. <laughs> Not kidding. Yeah, uh, sure. This was uh, an article by Ken Ham on February 17th, 2023. And they sent a, a lady down there, a staff member named Patricia Engler, and she interviewed some people. And it's a very insightful article. <clears throat> and I don't know that she fully buys into it either, if I remember the full thrust of the article, that everything about the revival was good. Because mm -hmm. what happened is it started sort of on its own, which I think is important because too many times, at least in our circles, we try to manufacture revival. We schedule them. We put them on the calendar, which is, if you think about it, pretty much the stupidest idea when it comes to revival. We're going to schedule a revival? Uh, no, you're not. Um, <clears throat> but I think that um, it, there can be some legitimacy to the Asbury revival in that it started in a class chapel, uh, sort of unplanned, unintentional, in which students began to uh, sort of get right with the Lord and get right with each other and uh, confess their faults one to another and so on. And as soon as this started happening, people started talking about it and that ruined it. <laughs> that just ruined it. And then people started piling on uh, who really weren't revived or in many cases probably weren't even Christian because there's a piece that Todd Friel did on this from Wretched Radio and mm -hmm. he showed some video clips of it. There were some very unscriptural things that took place later. Uh, in during this revival, uh, I think he, he even showed a clip of like a healing and speaking in tongues or something like that that took place later and uh, so on. So what started out in a sense good with a few people, people piled on and ruined and it became sort of a negative unscriptural thing. That's my short hot take on it. Yeah, it had a, um, and I don't know how to state this exactly, but it had a high probability, partly because of its location, because of their theological background or historical background, um, because of people's uh, desire, because of people's opportunistic um, ways, <laughs> um, it was it, it was very easily hijacked. Um, yeah, by various um, supposedly religious people. Um, I, th I found one and there, there's a lot, there's, there's a bit to say, you could come at this from several angles, but, um, I read an article that I thought was very interesting from a person that, um, actually writing for Baptist news global, but she seems kind of in favor of it. The way she describes revival I was like, okay, um, <laughs> is interesting. Um, and, and by the way, you're going to hear different, um, you're going to hear different, um, definitions of the word revival. Um, yeah. And I, I, to me, if you think of just what we typically say now in, um, uh, in, in normal terminology, like he revived, meaning he was unconscious and he revived. Well, um, in that sense, then we don't really live in a state of revival we live in a state of having been revived at any given point if if we mm -hmm. actually are alert and conscious um and so the actual revival is that is that that point of um 
of waking up, that point of becoming alert. And so, um, uh, anyway, so are, are, were some people there? Now, you also have to question, you say, well, revived to what? Um, as I understood the very, very first moments of this, you know, a, a girl ex- described it, and I thought, after listening to other people describe it, I thought, well, hers was actually the most insightful or whatever. And she was part of the original group that said people just started becoming real honest with each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that sounds great. You know what I mean? Where, where you sense that I can be open with my friend here and talk about things that are burdening me and hurting me. Now still, would I call that revival? Um, I don't know that I would call that a revival because you have to say revive to what, um, as far as was there a confession, you know, did they have to, did they, did, you know, were they burdened about something that they felt about this other person and said, you know, I need to confess something to you because I treated you wrongly. But if it's simply, you know what, I I've been hurt by this in my life. Oh, really? I'm sorry. Wow. I've been hurt by some things too. Well, that's not really a revival. That's just sort of growing in compassion and sympathy. Yeah. There is a, there is an article on uh, revival focus, which is John Van Geldren's article here. Mm -hmm. And I thought he had a good bullet point list. Uh, and now his article came out uh, February 15th. So it was pretty early on at yes, the outset of this while things still looked fairly positive. Hmm. Um, and he said, a, uh, as far as tests of a revival, like what is a true work of the Holy Spirit? Uh, here's the first bullet point. It produces a right view toward Jesus, which leads to overcoming Satan's lies and therefore deals with sin. It produces a right view toward the word of God, which is accompanied by conviction of truth by the, by the spirit of truth. Uh, three, it produces love for God and others, which leads uh, one to act on that love. And he gives scripture references for each. And then he says, there's much emphasis on Jesus. Uh, he's exalted. Uh, there's much indication of dealing with sin, repentance, confession, apologies, forgiveness, and so on. And then uh, sixth, he says, there's also much talk about love in action with testimonies of love being lived out. And he says, in the main, this move clearly appears to pass the tests of the spirit in 1 John 4. I rejoice. May the spirit of revival continue to have his way. So that's why I think at the outset, it looked promising. And, And I would say it was probably not long after John Van Gelderen wrote this that people started descending on this Asbury revival in droves, uh, in a sense, piling on with all sorts of unfleshly things, unscriptural things, essentially looking to have a good time in the name of the Holy Spirit. Well, but now he mentions, you know, that there's a right view of the word and there's a right view of God. I found it interesting that this other writer said, some who were present at the beginning... um, of the revival say it began in a mood of contemplation and a search for connection, okay? Repentance and calling. And then she she makes this statement, this revival is not preaching laden. On the contrary, it seems almost preaching a verse. I thought that was very interesting admission to say there's, there's really little or no preaching going on. And she even sensed that actually we don't want preaching. Well, to me, that betrays something that yeah. you know, we don't really want to hear the word. We don't want to hear preaching. We just want right. to feel the love and sing together. And but and it's important to know acceptance. when that it's important to know when that was stated about the whole thing because it actually mm-hmm. started as a result of preaching in chapel. Um, so I wouldn't say the movement was preaching a verse uh, at first. I think it became that way. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, though it's uh, it's maybe questionable whether you know I don't know what the actual message was in chapel whether the whether the uh, contemplation and and opening up was a response to the to the message, but this was actually written on February sixteenth. Okay, so like a day after Van Gelderen's article. But uh, anyway, so uh, uh, maybe our readers have not heard about this at all, um, and. Uh, and of course, it's not. I don't know how how the how the mainstream news is handling it all. Um, Asbury uh, is it Asbury University is um, uh, was founded on the Wesleyan Holiness movement. It's doctrinally a little different. It seems very evident that there's it's drawn you know charismatic and Pentecostal type people to itself. Um, so it's kind of outside of our circle in a way, but it's become. Uh, it kind of was rising in um, publicity there for a little while. But maybe you have heard about it. You've read about it. You've seen a video um, and you've got some thoughts of your own. Please feel free to uh, pass those our way. Yeah, I'm going to link to all of these. We have a bunch of resources here. I'd say probably my favorite was Todd Friel's breakdown of it. Mm -hmm. um, he was very comprehensive, very thorough, and I thought very sensible about the whole thing. So I'll link to that as well. Okay. Um, good. Anything else you want to finish up with there, Tom, on, on that? Uh, no, I think we can move on. Okay. Uh, why don't you hit us with one of the next ones there? I All right. Really know what they are. Um, this one, uh, well, let me ask you this. Are you familiar with the Duggars? Um, yeah, just uh, a little bit in that they had um, a well-known show, and I don't even remember what it was called, but basically they had like 18 kids, right? Um, and so they yeah. were known, they were kind of, really uh, popularized by a show. Um, yeah, I want to say that the show was called something like that, like 18 and counting or 19. Maybe that was it. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe or they had more what? kids. I'm not sure how many they end up having, but they, it was yeah. a huge family. There was quite a, <laughs> there was a, a range of reaction to it, but it was a, essentially a reality TV show. And yeah. then, um, then there, you know, unfortunately down the road, some negative news came out about one of the sons who worked for a family yeah. research council. Did stuff. you ever, did you ever see the show? No, 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 I, I did not I, Unless I wonder I, if I saw like barely a clip of it, but, uh, I don't think I've even seen that. I have no idea. So I'm going to preface this by saying, I really don't know the <laughs> Duggars. Uh, I know, I know that there was a show about them and that they were purportedly a conservative Christian family. I remember hearing right, a lot of right. people saying that, that, you know, how's it possible that a family like this gets a TV show? Um, but I've never seen it myself. Uh, anyway, there was a recent article. I have two articles here. One is from the Daily Wire and the other was from Tim Challies. Okay. And the Daily Wire article, um, it says this, rooted in faith, Ginger Duggar Vuolo. Uh, I think that's an Italian name. Uh, ditched her family's church, but held on to her strong Christian convictions. <clears throat> so um, I won't read the whole thing, but essentially her family, and I did not know this, were participants in some of the teaching and indoctrination of Bill Gothard. Okay. Are you familiar with Bill Gothard? Mm -hmm. um, I think some. he had something called, what was it? The... Um, Institutes of Basic Life That's Principles. It. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yes. Institutes of Basic Life Principles. I actually used to have the one of the volumes on that because when we were kids, yeah. we, we lived in Jersey. We drove over to Staten Island to go see this uh, guy one time. And it wasn't even him. It was him on a screen. It was like pre-recorded. Um, mm -hmm. And we saw this. 
I had no idea what that was all about back then. Uh, I think we thought it was a good thing, but we never really pursued it. We never got like into Bill Gothard's teachings. It was just yeah. a thing we visited once and we're done with it. And I think in the early days, there was some substance there, um, though it, it was kind of unique and then it kind of devolved uh, in time with other theological influences, but that's another discussion. Right, right. Um, but she she wrote a memoir, uh, Duggar did, uh, she wrote a memoir called Becoming Free Indeed, um, and she, she in which she asserts that she's still a Christian and doesn't hate her parents. And it, the article says the disgraced minister, Bill Gothard, and his institutes of basic life principles that she was raised in. So, so yeah, there it, it quotes it right there. Um, but she apparently had a bad experience in this particular movement uh, that she describes as cult-like. Now, I've not read her article yet, but uh, or her book yet, uh, but Tim Challies did. And Tim Challies had some insights on it hmm. that I wanted to share in case anyone had had read about this. But he he calls it her story of disentangling faith from fear. And, mm. and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because there's essentially a new phrase that has been coined here. Okay. Um, at least to my knowledge. I hadn't heard of this before. I had heard of deconstructing. Yes, right. Which is not a thing. Okay. People who are genuinely born again cannot lose that. They cannot give that up, nor would they want to. Someone who really wants to deconstruct their faith and not be a Christian anymore doesn't really have it to begin with. I, we're not going to take time to go through all of the proofs of that, but there are. Um, we've, I think we've actually talked about it before even. I think so. But disentangling is different than deconstruct, deconstructing, uh, mm -hmm. according to this current coinage, in that someone remains a Christian because they actually are a Christian, but they disentangle themselves from unhealthy applications of scripture. Mm -hmm. That's essentially my definition of it that I'm giving it. They find themselves in a particular circle or movement or church that uses scripture wrongly. And instead of just abandoning church, abandoning the faith as it were, as some do or claim to do, instead they simply find a different church. <laughs> And that's really all it comes down to is wow. one where they, <clears throat> but it's, it's a big <clears throat> enough move that it looks as if they have left everything they've ever known. <clears throat> um, so to leave a cultic type religious movement and move to, I guess, a biblicist or sensible movement, boy, that looks like a big swing especially to the mm -hmm. people who know you and were involved in your life to them. You've just like abandoned everything when from, really all you've done is made your Christian faith more biblical and rejected mm -hmm. the unbiblical applications of the cult movement. And as an outsider, I would say that term disentangling is a good term because it, yeah. it I think it well describes the mental process that has to happen where you're saying, well, I, I do believe this, and the Bible does say this, but it doesn't exactly mean that. And so the root of truth is sort of bound with the root of false application, and trying to untangle that sometimes uh, is a difficult thing. And it's a time, it's a, uh, it's a, um, not timely, um, it's a time-intensive thing. You know, it takes time right. to try to right. disentangle those things. But I mean, I am distinguishing it from just simply, you know, a guy who's in a independent 
fundamental Baptist church, leaving that church and going to a different independent fundamental Baptist church because he didn't like the cut of the jib of the previous (laughs) pastor. That's not disentangling. Okay. Disentangling would be like, okay, I'm involved in this movement. They have this misappropriation of scripture. They have this cultic practice. They have this oppressive teaching and so on. I'm leaving this movement, but I'm still a Christian and I've simply found a Christian movement that is closer to scripture. That's the idea of disentangling. And uh, I guess that's what Tim Challey's article was trying to essentially praise about her is that as someone who was sort of a semi-public figure who was wounded by a an, a cult-like Christian movement, instead of just abandoning the whole thing publicly, like many in her shoes would have done, mm-hmm. She essentially disentangles and she's asserting very plainly in her memoirs and in the articles that have been done, the interviews that have been, that have been done. She's still a Christian. She's yes, not changing yes. that. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, she simply disentangled from unbiblical uh, teaching. Um, and I thought that was refreshing. And that was that was Tim Challey's take on it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and not, this is no this is no slight to her uh, whatsoever, but um, uh, any, everybody thinks, I suppose, that when they disentangle or they deconstruct, that they're the ones that are right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you do have to always remember that there are two sides uh, to a story. You know what I'm saying? To say that yeah. all those who have disentangled became more biblical. Well, you know, I mean, in their thought, I guess at least that was the idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They disentangled yeah. their thought from the, the previous thought that they had grown up with. Um, but to, yeah. you know, can't necessarily assume that everything that they did yeah. is well sure if you're the one being biblical. disentangled from <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, right well then of course you're gonna think that they're just becoming a heretic yeah you know they're just becoming unbiblical they're, and you're they're, right they're, they're losing you're the one. your way their way and uh right 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 yeah. when uh you know i mean it could go either way i mean what if what if they're disentangling from you and it turns out they're actually right um boy there's some cognitive dissonance there isn't there um, <laughs> yeah, if there, so, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, the idea of disentangling is to move in a more biblical direction. Um, that's, that's the goal of it is, uh, whatever, whatever it might be. That's the goal of it. Okay. Well, neat. Um, it's good, uh, good term. It, it would, sounds like an interesting, uh, book to read. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the title of the book? Um, because, oh, where was it? Becoming... Becoming oh, some, free indeed. That's, that's right. It. You said, okay. Becoming free yeah. indeed. Yeah. Of course, we can't yeah. give a, a recommendation of the book necessarily because neither one of us have read it, but um, no. it probably be an inter- interesting read anyway. E- even for one person's take on um, a, a segment of the history of fundamentalism, essentially that's, that's part of what that is, you know, that I was involved in this slice of fundamentalism, uh, i.e. the Bill Gothard slice, you yeah. know. And this is what I experienced, and this is how at least it was applied in my home or in my immediate culture. Well, that's interesting. That's a um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't think either one of us intended to give any sort of diatribe on Duggar herself or on Bill Gothard. No. The point really was just to talk about this new word, um, this new phrase, disentangling. Um, and as I thought about it. Um, it so, so like a while back, I wrote a series of articles on the blog um, called "What If the Old Paths Are Actually New," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 
talked about the history of what what is considered by many independent fundamental Baptists the old paths religion. I got to be honest, in that series of three articles, that appears to essentially be disentangling. Mm. In, in on, a way, on your part, you're saying, I mean, that's like, yeah, 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 because it addresses the fact that uh, the old paths, which is is a kind of a, a silly thing that people rally around these days, you know, the old paths, and it's only silly because they have no idea what it is. Uh, and they, they think it's been around for a long time. That's why they call it old when they don't realize it was actually invented in recent history. And real religion is something that they abandoned really before they were ever born. Um, but uh, anyway, so all that to say, someone could look at that and say, oh, look at that. It's He's disentangling from the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Well, no, I just think that um, what we call today the old paths is they're not actually the old paths. And that's what the article purports. Um, it, it's, you know, it's essentially um, a doctrinal clarification, but it becomes right. the, the more, it, uh, the, the closer, the tighter that your roots were bound in a specific thing, the more disentangling seems to be such a vivid move. Um, mm-hmm. When, when someone else sort of was in light contact with those, um, with those doctrines or doctrines, with those applications, whatever, you know, and they, they, they were put in an environment where they could, um, learn out of them relatively easily. It's not so jarring right, for well, somebody whose family was really intertwined and then they really have to think through it. It's a, it, it's still a clarification. It's, it's the same clarification maybe that it was for somebody else, but it's so much more, um, dramatic and traumatic at times because uh, of the of the close knit status there. Yeah, well, it's all it's not just a clarification of your own doctrine and how closely you were tied to this original movement. It's also the attitude of the movement is such that they don't easily let people go, mm-hmm. that they don't mm-hmm. easily let loosen their grip yeah, on I someone think. without in a sense slandering them, ruining the, sure. their entire life and shaming them. Um, which is, I guess, another reason why the word disentangle is used because it's hard to get away. It's hard to get mm-hmm. away from a movement mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Bill Gothard's movement was effectively like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and m- dare I say, there are many independent fundamental Baptist churches that are kind of like that. And, and that's why I, I, as I read Challey's article on it and I read the Daily Wire article on it, I'm thinking, well, I mean, some could say my Old Paths articles are kind of like a disentangling. Um, because mm-hmm. the old paths movement doesn't easily let you go without shaming you for having mm-hmm. rejected the old paths when really you're the one on the old paths and they're just on some made up path. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, check out those articles on the the blog. Um, shameless plug here if you're interested. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're yeah. easy to find. You know right. how to use the internet. You're smart. Reasontogether.fm. So. Go down to the blog section. Yeah, and look for the... Uh, articles on the old paths. What if the old paths are actually new? All right. Um, well, at this point, I think we're going to have to let you go. Um, it's, we're about at time. We're going to transition into our uh, after show here. But again, if you have thoughts, maybe totally unrelated to what we talked about today, you've got a question lingering in your mind. doesn't have to be a theological question per se, meaning like it seems like it's coming out of a systematic theology, but it's just something in life that you're wondering, well, what does scripture say something about this? What would God think about this particular uh, aspect of life or this little habit we have or whatever? Um, you know, send it our way, reason together podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, and we'll consider putting it on the list there and talking about it.
All right. Well, thank you for being with us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.